Hoy hoy, you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. And if you're a regular listener of this program, thanks for your patience, because it's been about 18 days since I dropped a new fresh batch of Everybody Trades podcast goodness on you. Well, I have a very good excuse. Yes, indeed, about two weeks ago, in fact, 13 days ago to be exact, I welcomed my first child into this world. Yes, a beautiful baby girl. So thank you very much to all of you who reached out and congratulated me. And if you're just giving me love through your earbuds right now, well, I can feel that as well. So thank you all very much. And speaking of that previous episode, before we get on to today's topic, which is sportsmanship, I'd like to put a little bow on the previous episode about the millennial generation versus the baby boomer generation, and in particular, how that conflict was presented on Saturday Night Live in one of their recent sketches this past season. Ultimately, in that episode, I concluded that while the millennial generation does have some legitimate beefs with the baby boomer generation, I do have to point something out. And yes, ultimately, I said that really my conclusion was that government programs and wealth redistribution, particularly between generations is going to cause nothing but conflict and in this case intergenerational conflict again I just want to put a quick button on that episode because there was one thing I didn't point out now while the millennials are right that the baby boomers were able to go to college much more cheaply for instance back then and get housing much more cheaply houses were a lot less expensive back then for instance so there's a couple of very major life purchases that have been much more expensive for for the millennials versus the boomers. And indeed, food is more expensive too in a lot of ways. But here's the thing that I didn't point out, and it's something that's pointed out a lot by people who agree with me on a lot of things, to be honest, who agree with me on the negative effects of money printing by the Federal Reserve, and they're very pro market. But one thing they point out, I think slightly erroneously, is they'll point out to the period of the 1950s and say, boy, wasn't that a great period when it was easy for everybody, everybody had a house, you know, I'm talking in generalities here, but it was a prosperous time where most people had a a house, a car in the garage, and most of all, and this is the key point, it was often pointed out that, yes, in conservative circles in particular, It was pointed out that you could get by on one person's income. Obviously, in the 1950s, traditionally, that was the man. The man of the house, the husband, the dad would go out, make that money, and that provided the wife with the opportunity to be free from having to go out and earn an income so she could then stay home with the kids, avoid daycare, all that other nonsense. But the main point that the pro-market people are trying to make about the 1950s is that, yes, you could get by on one income back then, whereas today, most of your middle-class households are two-income households. Now, while that's all mostly true, certainly the rise of two-income households is certainly has certainly risen. It's higher than it was in the 1950s. There's no doubt about that. But there's something very obvious that's unsaid there, and that's that the standard of living in 2019 is completely different than it was in, say, 1957, right? Now, there's the most obvious statement of all time, but you may not even been thinking about it until I said it just now. 
Now let's think about all the different ways in which the standard of living has increased and in which, if you think about it, if you want to have a 1957-style life in 2019, well, I'm quite certain that you could get by, that most households who are two-income could get by on one income if they turn their lives back to 1957. Now, of course, in 1957, air conditioning existed, for example, but it wasn't exactly, it hadn't proliferated throughout essentially all of middle America and, frankly, most of poor America at this point. Just about everybody has air conditioning who needs or wants it. But in 1957, even the upper middle class were not necessarily living in central air at that point. Let's put it that way. Now, that's just one thing. Now think about all the other types of technology and the quality of vehicles, the quality of appliances, the quality of homes. So first of all, if you want to go back to 1957, no internet. Well, that's going to save you a lot of money right there, won't it? That'll get you back down to being a one-income household because you won't have to buy that $500 to $1,000 phone. You won't have to pay your phone plan that's 50 to $100 every month. You won't have to pay your Wi-Fi bill that's 50 to $100 every month. See how much money I've saved you right now by just taking you back to 1957? Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a criticism of millennials specifically, again, of which I am an older version of a millennial. I get it. People want the modern comforts of life, and they're going to continue to try to make their lives better. That's how people act. That's what we do. We're always going to try to find ways, particularly if, if it's just going to cost us a few bucks here and there, to improve our lives and our own minds quite dramatically. It's not a criticism, but it is a reality, and it's a reality that we don't often factor in. We just take for granted how much better our lives have improved in the last 50 years, particularly when we weren't alive 50 years ago, when we weren't alive 70 to 100 or especially a thousand years ago, there's very little appreciation for just how much our lives have improved, particularly in the last 50 to 100 to 200 years since the two industrial revolutions in the West. And now, with all that being said, let's get to the topic at hand, which is sportsmanship. And you know, what, what, what really prompted this show is I saw a tweet from somebody I follow from my Missouri journalism school days and I don't have that tweet right in front of me and I wish that I did quite frankly I'd love to get you the full context of it but the basic gist of the thing was in regards to the United States women's soccer team and don't worry I'm not going to cover all the Megan Rapinoe and U.S. soccer takes that have been floating around for the last two weeks. I think everybody's had enough of that. Now I'm going to go a little bit different direction with that. See, there were some people, generally, I, I would you could guess, probably on the conservative side of the political equation, who were decrying the lack of sportsmanship from the U.S. women's soccer team. Well, again, I have a, a friend, an old buddy, who went to journalism school with. Well, he basically tweeted out, that sportsmanship is nonsense, that for all intents and purposes, that sportsmanship is fake. Like, it's not genuine. Like, nobody really wants to shake the hand of their opponent after they just beat them. And frankly, if you're the winner on the other side of the equation, I imagine he's probably thinking, oh, it's just for you to be passive-aggressive and give him a good hard handshake and a look in the eye as if to, 
look down at your vanquished opponent or something like that. Well, here's my deal with sportsmanship. If you're going to tell me that sportsmanship is fake and that often when people are going through the handshake line at the end of the game that they would really rather not be doing it, well, I don't have much of an argument for that. No, my argument is, yeah, you're right. Sportsmanship can be fake. It often is fake. It isn't all that genuine. But I would argue it's also completely necessary, especially when you're talking about in Little League. When you're talking about Little League sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, football, whatever it might be, I think that's really the most important time, to be quite obvious, of when you should instill sportsmanship. And here's why. Because if you're going to tell me that sportsmanship is fake, well, guess what? A whole lot of life is fake, and you're going to learn to need to fake it at a certain point. So here's my thing. Get used to it. Get used to acting and faking it a little bit. Here's an example. Lots of us don't like our boss all that much. We may not like our boss at all, but we're going to fake it when he's around. We're going to fake it when his wife is around, when we meet our boss's wife, and she's like, oh, hi, uh, Heard so much about you and go, yeah, yeah, old Jim, he's a good guy, uh, best boss ever. You know what? Do it for yourself. Don't do it because you're kissing Jim's ass. Don't do it because you want his wife to feel better about herself. Do it for you, quite frankly, because that will make you a more likable person and you will probably advance more quickly in your particular job. I can hear some of you already. Hearing me make that statement say, oh, great. Well, you're just a brown noser. You're just a kiss ass then. Okay. So you don't, you want to be totally real with your boss at all times of the day. Okay. Let me know how that works out for you. But if that's how you are, if you don't want to hear the boss thing, how about just faking it with your girlfriend's new parents or your boyfriend's parents? Hey, all you ladies out there, the first time you met your boyfriend, your future husband, whoever it might be, you met their parents. You probably had some thoughts about the decor in their living room, for instance. You probably had some thoughts about the food that they made, the outfit that the mother was wearing, her makeup, the dad and his physique. See, there's all kinds of thoughts that human beings have running through our heads, and they're often negative. A lot of them are negative. They really are. When you see somebody, when you see your friend... Somebody you haven't seen from high school or something from a long time ago, and the guy's put on 50 pounds, yeah, your immediate thought is, oh boy, old uh, Bob there's put on some weight, hasn't he? But you don't immediately express that or even express it at all to Bob at the, at the high school reunion, do you? Sure, it goes through your head, but just because you didn't express that to his face, does that mean that you're a fake, ungenuine person? Well, frankly, I would say it makes you a relatively nice person. And in fact, if you take the opposite, if, if you're the type of person like, hey, I just keep it real, man, I just keep it real all the time, and you go up to people, tell them that they're fat, tell them that they're stupid, tell whatever, whatever thought that you have, or you, you just tell a woman that you think is beautiful, you just immediately go up to a stranger and go, oh, my God, you're, you're the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that'll probably make her feel uncomfortable. And if you just go up to every person in your life and tell them every negative thought that you have, well, guess what? You're never going to have any friends. 
No relationship is ever going to last. Your spouse is going to hate you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So ultimately, my point is, is actually sportsmanship at the Little League level, making those kids line up, shake their hands, say good game. That is preparation for real life. Because how much of life is faking it and pretending it, at least on some level, okay? So get used to it. Get friggin' used to it. Again, you ever been to a wedding where you weren't so sure, you and your date weren't so sure that the couple was going to make it very far? I have. Well, in that wedding when they do the old thing of speak now or forever hold your peace, have you ever heard somebody raise their hand and stand up at that moment? And yet you know there had to be some people who had some reservations, and yet nobody ever stands up, do they? Well, I guess those people are faking it. Yeah, fake it. Again, faking it, not so bad. Have you ever seen the Dave Chappelle sketch when keeping it real goes wrong? Yeah, that's where we're going with this one. So, all of you are decrying sportsmanship and acting like, ah, well, you know, Anything outside of the law somehow, any behavior that is outside the law is now deemed acceptable, I guess, in a world where we have 10,000 laws that pass every single year or regulations. Well, I'm going to paraphrase a quote that I can't even remember. It just popped into my head. I can't remember who to attribute it to. I hate to say it, but essentially it goes like this. The law does not exist to right every wrong. At a certain point, We're going to have to self-regulate ourselves or society will come undone. And sportsmanship is part of that self-regulation. It's part of the politeness and just the general peaceful interaction that we're supposed to have with other human beings that actually is the thread that keeps society together. Because it's it's not legislation. It's not regulation. It's none of that stuff. Because again, the law does not exist to right every wrong, and on a practical level, it cannot do that. For instance, the best example I always come back to is, while, yes, it's bad for the family, it's bad for society as a whole when spouses cheat on each other, and yet there's no law against that at all. Yeah, that's one of those acts that could be very deleterious to not only the family but just to society in general, and yet we have no law against it. And I don't hear a lot of people out there saying that, oh, we should throw people in jail for cheating. But yet at the same time, I also recognize that on some level, on a very obvious level, actually, that if every marriage in this country, every family that's formed, every nuclear family, if they just all decide, well, monogamy is not for us, we're going to just, and not only is monogamy not for us, Truth is not for us. We're going to go around our spouse's backs. Not only lie, we're going to cheat as well. Well, that's not going to be a good thing for any kind of cohesive society. And guess what? Sportsmanship, teaching that real basic sort of peaceful interaction with people who you're competing against, that's actually a great thing for society. And getting rid of that will not be – it's not going to be a good outcome. You're not going to like what happens because then we'll just have – a group of even more entitled me, me, me people that don't give a crap about anyone but themselves. And that does not a cohesive society make. All right. 
It's good to be back here in front of the microphone and everybody trades. You're going to be getting more of these as long as I still got breath going through these lungs. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trades. <laughs>